Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Andrew. And I'm Rachel. And we are Picture the Scene Podcast, brought to you by Aura Studios. We are a true crime podcast aiming to put you, the listener, at the scene of the crime. We bring you a new episode on a weekly basis, mainly focusing on lesser-known crimes from the UK and Ireland. However, at times we expand into cases from anywhere in the world and all ones that are well known. Now, as we are a true crime podcast, listener caution is always advised, and today there could be graphic descriptions of violence and death of children, so please be aware. If you like what you hear, please do follow us on whatever social media platform you prefer, subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform of choice, and if you have the capability, give us a rating and review as well. It does mean the world to us, doesn't it, Rachel? Absolutely. We've had some lovely reviews and um, messages lately, uh, and it just keeps us going. And yeah, we love hearing from you. We love getting um, told what you guys like listening to. And also, you know, maybe things that we're talking about, we like hearing your opinions on as well. So let's keep keep that up. Let us know. Yeah, we've actually got a, a case that we're working on together uh, for Ant Gun, aren't we? On the Delphi murders. So um, that'll probably be a good few weeks until we get that done because it's quite in- intense but if you want us to cover anything in particular give us a shout and we'll look into it yeah ah. absolutely and like you've you've just um you've you've drawn the line the sand there andrew we've got to uh got to follow through now on it sooner rather than later but you're absolutely right this case that was recommended to us is a rabbit hole so uh really looking forward to stroke kind of dreading that but we're going to try something a little bit different aren't we and and tackle it together so we're really looking forward to seeing how that one plays out yeah presented together now if you like us that much that you want to support us you can do so for less than the price of a cup of tea or coffee on patreon we currently only have one tier and that is set at one pound a month although obviously you can always give more we really we release bonus content every month the links to our social medias and patreon can be found in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash scene pod. That's P A T R E O N dot com forward slash S C E N E P O D. So, Rage, have you won a lottery yet or anything equally exciting happened to you since we last spoke? No, not won the lottery yet. And um, no moderately exciting things happening, but that is fine. I am fine with a, a non exciting life. How about um, you? Have you won the lottery? No, unfortunately, I don't play it, though. Oh. Well, you've got to be in it to win it. You do, indeed. And are you ready and full of anticipation for some true crime? I can't wait. I can't wait today. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, then. Let's get started. If it's safe for you to do so, I'd like to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. Today, I'd like to take us back to June the 13th, 2007. And on this day, we're going to Streffham, which is a small village in Cambridgeshire. It has, and had then, a population of just under 2,000 people, and is around 74 miles from London. It's probably what you'd classify as your quintessential small English village, Rachel. Now, on the 13th of June in 2007, we're in the very early hours of the morning. And like most places have a small population and a low crime rate, It's quiet, there's not much happening. It was a weekday, so eventually people would be getting up to tackle the day ahead of them, but they were still asleep as it was around 2.30am at this time. It was 11 degrees Celsius, 
which is around 51 degrees Fahrenheit. But that didn't really matter this time, Rachel, because no one was out and about to feel the cold or the warmth. Now, I'd like to take us to the Kamari Baker home. Now, inside the home was Rekha Kamari Baker, who was 39 at the time, and a single mother to two daughters, Davina and Jasmine Baker, who were 16 and 13. On weeknights, Davina lived with her father, David Baker, and attended the Cambridge Regional School. In fact, she'd just finished sitting her GCSEs and was waiting for the results. Now, for our non-British listeners out there, those are the final end-of-school exams you sit when you're 16, or sometimes 15. In fact, I don't even think they have GCSEs, do they now, Rachel? But they did at this time. They do. They oh, still they? have GCSEs, yeah. I have All a right. nephew, he's going through them. But they spread them out now. Like, back in the day, when I sat my GCSEs, it was an intense, like, three, maybe four weeks of exams. Yeah. But now they spread them out like over the two year period, and oh, if you okay. if you if you want to, you can opt to like sit some in the first year and then some in the second year, which uh, seems a lot like better, less intense. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. And so Davina lived with her father on weekdays, and Jasmine lived with her mother in the house and attended a local Cottenham Village College. Now, you'd imagine with school the next day, all three members of this household would be like their neighbours asleep, but one of them wasn't. Rekha, the mother of two of the two teenage girls, was awake, and around 2.30am on that fateful night, she went into the kitchen. She located the knives that she'd bought especially for this occasion, two 12-pound kitchen knives from a local outer supermarket, and she climbed the stairs. She first went into the bedroom of her oldest daughter, Davina, and she was fast asleep. And she approached her as she slept in her bed, and she proceeded to unleash the most vicious of attacks, stabbing her over and over. Now, Davina woke up. She struggled. She tried to resist, but in the end, her mother stabbed her 37 times, with her body ending up in a kneeling position next to her bed. Oh my God, that's awful. It is awful. Now, after Davina was dead, Rekha left Davina's bedroom and entered Jasmine's bedroom with only one thing on her mind, to kill her youngest daughter. Jasmine didn't struggle. Jasmine didn't move from her sleeping position and ultimately never woke up because she died after a frenzied attack, which would result in 29 separate stab wounds to her, killing her quickly. This is awful. It is awful. Uh, that's why I went straight into it rather than trying to eke it out a little bit. How on earth a mum could do that to like her own children and and two of them as well? Yeah, well, we'll get into the why. Um, so after she had killed her two children, she got into her car. She drove to nearby Ely, which is around four miles away, a nine-minute drive. And now for for what she went there for, we don't know. She will later claim that she was thinking about suicide, but the facts don't match that. So after she drove there, she returned home again to shower, clean herself up, and get dressed again before going out in her car. And then she returned home about 6.30am, writing and leaving a note at the crime scene that was once her family home. 
Now I use the note as a as the image in our social media comms, but I do know that people have it set to auto download and it's not a very long note, so I'm gonna read it out for his auto here. Now this is word for word. Sorry doesn't mean anything now. I've killed my two beautiful daughters. I didn't want them to get hurt like I did. Jeff hurt me so much I cannot explain. He found it difficult to compromise at times, but I loved him so much. My kids will not be a burden to anyone anymore. Wrecker. My kids will not be a burden. Yes, but we'll we'll get into the, the more detail on that. It's not as straightforward as it seems. Okay. So when she returned home the second time, she called one of her friends up, and Natalie Barford, who was a special constable in the police. Now, a special constable for those outside of the UK, it's like a volunteer police person. They have less powers and they don't really get paid for it. Now, because it was 6.30 in the morning, there or thereabouts, her friend didn't pick up. So she left this answer for message. I've done something terrible, Natalie. I have killed the kids. The children are dead. Please call me. When her friend imagine. did hear. And I know, imagine waking up and hearing that. Now, yeah. when, when her friend did hear the message, she drove over to the house. And once she got there, Rebecca said to her, I stabbed them with knives from the kitchen. This is terrible. At least the children are safe now. Nobody else can hurt them. Yeah, but knives that she went out of her way to purchase. Yeah. So unsurprisingly, Natalie, I can't imagine what was going through her head because as Did a special for backup as well. Like she I don't can't, know. can't just head like friend or not friend. Like that voicemail is harrowing. Like you would want people to be on scene with you so that your your yeah. life isn't like at risk i'm not sure if she she did or not um but what i do know what she did uh, she arrested her friend Rebecca. now when she was arrested she would say in response as she was being arrested i killed my two beautiful daughters jeff hurt me i love him so much my kids will not be a burden to anyone anymore so she just basically repeated what her suicide note, or sorry, her apology note said. Yeah. No, like she's she... on, um, you know, sometimes people are on like a mission, like, you know, in their own head and they're just like paranoid about something. They're just repeating it, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I remember Jeff's not the father of his children, by the way. That was David Baker. Oh. So she didn't deny what she did. So there's not much point going into detail about the investigation other than a few details. Now, it would turn up during the investigations that all the way back at three years before the killings, Recky would tell teachers at Davina School that she wished Davina dead and would often complain of depression to doctors and social workers. She would also tell Davina this in front of teachers. So, sorry, just... just... Just take that back for a second. She would tell the school that she wished her child was dead. Yeah, and she also told Davina that she wished she was dead in front of teachers. Wow. How was this woman allowed to be full-time carer to her children after displaying those kind of warning signs? Three years before. Red flags. You'd think so, but again, we'll get into it. Now, staff at a daughter's school... They described Rekka as volatile, excitable, erratic, and could become aggressive. Teachers at her daughter's school had held several meetings 
with her as they were concerned. As you said, you would be concerned. Now, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a quote from the vice principal, Stephanie Franklin, of the school. I found her behavior at times extremely erratic. I recall one particular meeting at the school where she was saying about Davina, I wish she was dead. During the meeting, she cried and got upset and said, I don't want to see Davina again. This woman, like, she needs help. Not a, not a, not like a meeting at school, but an intervention and, you know, professional help. Oh, well, let's get on to that then, shall we? So she had complained about depression to a doctor. So she was referred to a counsellor by a GP and would be monitored by social services. Her GP diagnosed her as having reactive stress with mild depressive features. The full diagnosis of her was a mild form of depression called mixed anxiety depressive disorder, which oh, is wow. which it seems is quite common among people and it doesn't require any specialist intervention. Now, two days prior to the killings, less than 36 hours to be exact, she had taken a youngest Jasmine to the doctor's with a persistent cough, and the doctor described it as a light-hearted consultation with both in good spirits, laughing and joking with him. To be exact, he said, Yasmin and Kamari Baker seemed happy. Yasmin was laughing and giggling. Now, the investigation also uncovered that three years earlier, in 2004, Davina had been referred by the doctor to a child psychiatrist during which she had alleged her mother would hit her at times during arguments. And as a result, social services were involved, but came to the conclusion that she was at low risk of self-harm and had no mental health problem. Now, this is Davina they're talking about, not her mum. This is wild. It was a weekday, so Davina should be sleeping at her dad's. Mm. Now, by the, by the way, she was at her dad's because her mum had kicked her out, seeing that she didn't want her there anymore. But... She was there that night, and she'd been at her dad's about a year. She was there that night because Rekha had promised to take the two girls shopping at the Lakeside Shopping Centre, which meant spending a night at their mum's. Now, it seems she did this on purpose, so Davina would be in the house. Oh, my God. I mean, we knew it was premeditated at the start, didn't we? But this is just a different level. Yeah. Now, Davina had texted her mum on that night, hours before her death. And this is what the text message said. Thanks. I really enjoyed myself. I love you with all my heart and always will. You'd think if you got that message off your daughter. It's by everything that's ever gone on, everything that's been said. You would think, do I have have to do this? It's clarity, wouldn't you, where it's like, this isn't worth it. And how, how many times on this pod have we talked about the fact that in these moments, that are building up. I mean, I've premeditated crimes, obviously not in the moments running up to something that isn't planned. The amount of moments that you can kind of pause and think it's not worth it, or I don't want to, don't want to follow through with this, and you have like that time to back out, don't you? Exactly. Now, after Rekha was arrested, she was seen on the same day of the murders by a psychiatrist in the police station who diagnosed her showing no signs of depression or any other mental health disorder. 
the psychiatrist, by the way, was an established expert in depression, not just an on-call person. So, it, sorry, that, that was in the days that after was on, the no, murders? The same day as the murder. So the, same, the day murder. She, same day she was arrested. Wow. And, this, and this psychiatrist is seen in his field as the expert on depression. He's not just someone who the yeah. like an on-call doctor. Wow. So Rekha would plead not guilty to murder, but guilty to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. Now, I think we could probably guess that's what she was going to plead out. Now, it would be over two years before the trial would take place, and it mainly focused, the trial is, on the relationship Rekha had with the two girls, Rekha's own state of mind, and what was going on in her life. Rekha had gotten divorced from her ex-husband, in 2004, three years earlier, and since the, since the divorce, they had many conflicts about the custody of the two girls. It also came out that after the divorce, her ex-husband had found a new partner and Rekha didn't like her, often stating that she didn't want the girls to spend any time with her and she would often get jealous when she did. Now, Rekha had also recently lost her job as a waitress and had flipped from a boyfriend, the man I mentioned earlier, called Jeff Powell. Now, she had texted Jeff days earlier, stating that he would never see her again. The court heard from Jeff, who said that he had tried to break up with Rekha about a month before the murders, as he felt the relationship had run its course, but she was bombarding him with an impressive amount of text messages in the days leading up to the act, before that final one, that final message I mentioned a moment ago. The trial also heard from friends of Davina, who said that Davina was telling recently that she was really starting to bond with her mother and get along with her and that things were getting a lot better. What kind of human being who isn't suffering from some sort of psychosis or mental health like breakdown can justify behaving this way? Yeah. I know. The defence called a witness psychiatrist who said that Rekha could have been suffering from an abnorm abnormality of the mind at the time of the murders, but the prosecution actually called several witnesses, including Rekha's own doctor and the psychiatrist who saw on the day of the murders, who all said that Rekha was not suffering from any type of mental health condition before, during or after the murders. Now, I don't know much about the tests and the process that they put these people through, but I imagine there would be enough people there to justify that to be the case and for that not to be um, like mitigating circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky that... one because we, we don't know in, in depth and you can't really read somebody's like true state of mind, can you? But I imagine these tests or the exams or you know the questions that they put um their patients through you know are enough to identify something most of the time hey yeah no it was yeah i get what you said it was argued by the prosecution that Rekha killed her two daughters for one reason only to be spiteful and to hurt and destroy her ex-husband wow the jury consisted of seven women and five men, and it took them just 35 minutes to reach a verdict of guilty of murder, not manslaughter, of Davina and Yasmin. 35 yes. minutes. So you see, you say 
hasn't been enough. To me, that seems to me there has been enough evidence yeah. to support this. We're summing up for the sentencing. The judge stated that Wrecker would receive two life sentences for the two murders to be served concurrently, as is usual, and sentence Wrecker to life with a minimum term of 33 years in prison, making her sentence one of the longest ever received by a woman in the UK. The judge would go on to say that he had considered a whole life tariff, meaning that she would never be released, but said that with while the degree of planning and premeditation was significant, it was not substantial enough, so he decided against it. Due to time served, Rebecca would be at least 72 when she was eligible for pro, which will be in 2040. The judge would also say this in his summing up. Most people, and this probably echoes what you're saying here, Rachel, most people will find it inexplicable that a mother could kill her own children and you have given no explanation for it. He said, On the basis of the evidence, I think maldepression would probably combine with a wish to retaliate against David Baker and destroy the happiness in his life, but to some extent, your motive remains a mystery. Now, after the... And it's probably worth noting here um, that she never appealed anything. Which, it, did she show any emotion during the trial at the sentencing? Any no. sort of like she, she showed no remorse. emotion, not towards the children. No. Wow. And even Just... in the, yeah, I didn't include this in the script, but I'll say it now um, because it wasn't only there was only one source for it, so I wasn't sure if it was accurate or not. But there was a source saying that when she had been in prison since, she spends sometimes up to a hundred pounds a week on flowers um, for the prison chapel, but. When it came to the anniversary of her daughter's death, she didn't even acknowledge them or acknowledge, acknowledge oh, it. Wow. Um, so it's almost. I'd, this probably isn't going to sound particularly nice of me, but I'm just going to throw it out there because you know we are entitled to our own opinions, and sometimes cases like this bring out this side of me where it's like there's almost a. I wonder of whether she was ever really felt maternal. And, uh, and you know, like, I understand that we're just seeing her in a snapshot of her life, at, like the worst part of her life because she's killed both of her children. But when, like, I would imagine I'm speaking for most mothers out there that and fathers, when your children are born, your number one instinct regardless of the circumstances in which they're born, is to protect them at any cost. And this woman not only has denied that, but actually put both of her children in the path of danger at her own hands. But then to not show any remorse or any regret or any um, love for them on the date of their deaths, the anniversary of their deaths, and probably I'm imagining birthdays, and at Christmas as well, is just a level of um, like empathy, like where I think, did you ever care? Like, you know. Well, I could probably answer that a little bit. Um, I didn't include it, it's not in the scripts, but because the girl's father released a lengthy statement afterwards, and obviously I couldn't read everything because mm. 
it's just verbatim and it, it doesn't make good listening. But he did actually go on at one point to describe that she never saw the daughters as anything but extensions of helping her life and how she was yeah. living, if that makes sense. Yeah. They, so and they the were fact there, that she had two yeah. of them. They were there to help her. Oh yeah. That that's that's how she always looked on the daughters. And that that's like the worst part because you know, they they were kind of like loving her despite her lack of love and care and attention towards them. You know, her daughter's still messaging her saying, I love you, like always will. Because they had had issues, obviously she kicked yeah. the daughter out and they'd had issues. Yeah. And so But her daughter, why, despite yeah. that, shows her mum unconditional love, despite never having that love back from her mum. And the daughter believed that because her friends testified that she told them that they were really starting to bond and get on well. Yeah. So talking about the girl's father, after the conviction, David Baker would go on to say he felt constantly guilty he did not prevent the murders, that mm. he didn't see it coming, and he felt helplessness, that he wasn't able to do anything about it. He would also say this, not a day passes when I don't think of, of my girls. I smile now when I remember the good times we had. I remember most of all their love and closeness for each other, sisters together. To have them taken from me in such a brutal way and by the woman who was their mother and charged with their care has an incalculable effect on me. I take comfort that I will in time be with my girls again, and she will not. This is almost bringing a tear to my eye. Um, and that she will not. And it's such an emotional statement that he had, but I'll pick it up that little bit out. Um, he would also go on to describe how he'd seen his two daughters a mere nine hours before they died in his home, and they were both excited about the shopping trip they were going on with their mum. He said, Davina showed me her new shoes. She was happy. She showed me the outfit for a new job at Pizza Hut. We were laughing about it because it was too big. He then described how his youngest Jasmine bounded up the stairs to tell him they were going on a second trip to the shopping centre because they'd already been at one and she was taking them again. He would also say, that he was constantly encouraging Davina to make up with her mum, telling her that people grow up and change, including Davina, and that one of the last text messages he received from Davina was asking him what he wanted to do for the upcoming Father's Day. Just, I mean, that man has had his whole world ripped upside down, hasn't he? Yeah. He's, he's, he's let his children leave their safety net, his home, and led them into the path of danger because he was just convinced that his ex-wife, you know, was was changing her behaviours and helping her daughters. But my God, I just can't. I just can't um, comprehend this. I don't think we could be sat here talking for days about it and and trying to wrap our heads around how he must feel, how those poor children must have felt in their final moments, and how this woman doesn't feel anything and I still wouldn't understand comprehend or um kind of yeah be able to make peace with it it's heartbreaking he said um he also said like he 
he'd lost his job, he'd lost his relationship, and he had to move away from the area because he just couldn't cope with like wow. it's, it's on life anymore. It sounds like it destroyed him. Um, and that that's the thing, right? When parents lose children, and I only know from speaking to loved ones close to me that have been in this scenario, or from hearing, you know, stories in the press, watching documentaries and things like this, right? When when parents lose children, their whole life is torn upside down. Quite often, mum and dad are turned against one another because they're both handling that grief in very different ways. And when I say turned against one another, I mean they can't be there for each other because they're both grieving something catastrophic and will therefore both both behave in very different ways let alone one of the parents taking the life of the children like that's just a different level andrew like two parents grieving the loss of a child because of like awful circumstances one thing but a single parent left without anyone in the world because his ex-wife took the lives of his children yeah i know now we spoke a little bit earlier about a diagnosis Rekha's doctor was asked if he felt any sense of responsibility of what happened and this was his response yes inevitably i have been through those consultations in my mind many many times i am convinced in my own mind there was nothing i could have picked up on now, after the conviction, a serious inquiry was launched to see if there'd been any failings at any point that could have prevented these two tragic deaths. When it was concluded, it was determined that these two deaths could not have been prevented. But it did list 11 recommendations for social workers going forward. The two main ones of those 11 recommendations were that, were that there has to be a need to listen to children and take their take their views on board and the second one because if you remember when the social services saw Davina after she had been referred and complained about her mom occasionally hitting her the conclusion they came to that she was at no risk of self-harm and was not a danger to herself so they focused on her yeah not what she she was saying yeah um and the, and the second the second main recommendation was that there also needs to be ways of working developed for when parents do not want to engage with the with the authorities. To me, I didn't go into more detail, but to me, this sounds like the mother wrecker never really engaged with the authorities. Mm, well, you wouldn't, would you? You'd be avoiding at any cost. Yeah, probably scared that they'd flip and find out what a heartless woman you were. But can I just say as well, in any of those recommendations, was it that the school should work closer with the social workers about the behaviour of the mother saying that I want to kill my child? Like, Well, they did report. The school didn't just ignore those comments. So the school did what they were supposed to do. Right. It was then when it went to the social workers and social services. Before I go to your thoughts, Rage, let me just finish up by focusing on these two girls because this was this did bring a tear to my eye when I was reading it, reading up on this and researching it. 
and it's so tragic. Um, the only reason why I continued is because I thought this needs to be out there because you'd think this, be more well, this would be more well known. And if something mm-hmm. like this is well known, it can maybe be a, a prevention for something similar happening in the future. But I want to focus on the two girls, not on Rekha. So their father said that despite living apart, they were so close and they got on together fantastically. I would say that they had different personalities, but they were both equally special. Uh, this is what he said. Davina was feisty, outgoing and an extra, extrovert. Jasmine was quiet and intellectual and sometimes lived in the sister's shadow. Now, Davina's friends described her as lo- loving, smart, fun and energetic. And they went into description, which just sounded great fun to me, about a time when she'd attended the auditions for The X Factor. You know, those ones at the very beginning when everyone uh, lines up. And she loved it, saying that she was in an element on, on that day. And she was the happiest that she'd ever been. So, with those happy thoughts, what do you think of this very sad case, Rach? Yeah, I think I've made that yes. my point clear on... on like sometimes we deal with cases of complete tragedy and we just think do you know what they the the killer or the criminal the perpetrator like clearly not in a solid state of mind and who are we to kind of talk about mental health and you know unfortunately the system had failed and let people down this case though as far as I can see there are no excuses. There's nothing to hide behind. There is just pure hatred for others that has led this woman to take the lives of her children. And I cannot understand that. And I no. cannot comprehend what that woman has done and why um, anyone would ever want to see a release from prison. I know we've talked before about um, prison being the opportunity to um help criminals but in my eyes what this woman has done she deserves to stay behind bars until she dies yeah i agree it's i was torn on this one because my at the very beginning of the episode your instinct was has this woman had a breakdown what's it's mm-hmm. something affecting this woman and that was mine too i was thinking how can this happen and and i looked and i looked and i looked and there's nothing that even suggests there's no one trying to campaign, there's nothing that suggests no. that this was done for anything other than to hurt her ex-husband. Because it seems what had been the trigger point is her breakup with her boyfriend, losing a job, and then seeing how happy her husband was, ex-husband, and the kids getting on with her ex-husband's partner. And their ex-husband didn't cheat on her, and he wasn't abusive or anything like that. Mm. And that had been the trigger, and this was just pure... But even hatred even towards at, him. Even if you look at Jeff, though, not his fault he can't cope with this woman who is bombarding him and, you know, smothering him and erratic. Like, he mustn't be able to sleep at night knowing that he was the trigger, you know, that, that led to this. And he was cited in that note that she wrote. And again, the, the statement that she made to her friend as a policewoman or special constable, like, you know what's interesting? Just to cut you off there for one second. Just, just what's yeah. interesting. Just to a point you just made there. 
what she said to the police officer, her friend, and also to the mm. other police officers. When it came to the trial, she denied saying those things. Wow. She denied admitting that she killed her daughters and it yes. was because Jeff didn't love her anymore. Well, because they were saying, uh, they reported how she was, she had no emotion when she was being arrested wow. and she, she was more bothered about, so I know people don't like it when I cut you off, but I did this for, no, for a reason. She was more bothered when she was arrested. She was more upset that they wouldn't let her back into the house to get some more clothes than she was about the death of her children. That's disgusting. Um, Again, it's just adding layer upon layer to this woman of, like, like hate, if I'm honest. And it doesn't necessarily bring out a particularly nice side of me, but I just can't understand. And, like, you know, at the end of the day, it happens. We hear of this happening a lot, but... And and most of the time, when cases like this do happen, the perpetrator kills themselves, takes their own lives, you know, murder-suicide, and you aren't able to ever unpack what was wrong, get to the source of the truth, but you hope to God it was because they had a moment of madness. But the fact that this woman lived and didn't even you know, think, oh, there's no point in carrying on now, but just continued to, like, go about her evening, you know, driving out in a car, whatever she did, um, just is, you know, adds insult to injury. There's a um, a television series, just a short series on ITVX at the minute, the streaming service, and it's called Murder in the Family. And it's really hard to watch because, as the title suggests, family members have been killed by their own, like, siblings or in-laws or, you know, whoever. I won't spoil it for you if you go on to watch it, Andrew. But it's really hard to watch. But in all three cases, the murderer was either had an attempt on life or successfully took their own life so it was just interviews from other family members of what must have been going through their mind in the run-up to those crimes this though like i i I found myself feeling like wow what could that what must have been going through their minds and you know i really i i wish that they could have got the help that they needed so these awful tragedies didn't happen this case that you've just presented today just defies all of that that I was thinking and believing and feeling because they had the opportunity to interview this woman and she had no emotion and she had no remorse and that's just incredibly horrible exactly you gotta think she bought a knife before she before she took Jasmine to the doctor she took Jasmine to the doctor knowing for a while that it didn't really matter because she was going to kill them she had the chance to say to the doctor she she it was said that she obviously planned a trip to the Lakeside Shopping Centre so Davina would have been there that night. Yeah. But, but they went twice, it was yeah. said. It was argued. Obviously, I don't know if it's true or not. By the prosecution, they went twice so that she tired them out enough that they wouldn't wake up and she was attacking them. Oh, my God. Um, and you got to think that when David was caught 
see it, of course, from David. That was after the first shopping trip, so they were really happy. That, like Davina had some new shoes, and um, she was looking forward to a new job at the Pizza Hut. It's just it. Becca got exactly what she wanted. She wanted to destroy David's life. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And he's he'll never be the same again. He'll no. Um. So yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 cases like this. And sometimes I worry that I'm getting desensitized with researching and writing all the time. And then when I'm when I'm researching this and writing this. It's this still brought a tear to my eye, Rachel. I know mm. people say that quite often, but um No, you you're absolutely right. It's it's usually an absolute pleasure to record with you on a you know, bright and early on a Friday morning. Sets us up at the weekend just for context for our listeners. We record before we, we start work and uh this particular time, um yeah, I'm I'm not, this isn't going to sit well today with me and I just feel incredibly sad Andrew but thank you for bringing the case to us and to our listeners because again it shows you know women and men um can be um you know equally culpable of doing horrible things it's like how many times do we look at victims being you know the men you know scorned um this this is a perfect example of um never being able to um trust like data and 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 the reports in the news but seeing an actual real life example of a mother um but doing something absolutely awful and unforgivable and unimaginable to her own children i think i'm probably going to wrap it up now right if that's okay yeah. Um, so this has been season two, episode seventeen, called "The Ultimate Act of Spite." And for one last time, if it's safe you to do so, I like you to relax, close your eyes, and picture the scene. Now this time, I just want you to picture someone that you love, someone that you're close to. They may still be with us, or they may not. Now let that feeling of love envelop you. Remember a moment that you cherish with that person and enjoy that moment and be happy that you had that moment. And if you're feeling down a little bit, let that moment bring you back up again. So thank you everyone for listening and we will be back next week with Rachel with the start of a two-parter. Thanks guys. (laughs) 